Welcome to IRO Live with host Bob Bay. All right, so we've been talking about some of the gifts of the Spirit and how that relates to going back to Moses and the children of Israel in their wilderness journey. We were at the point in the book of Numbers where Moses had reached a point where he just couldn't handle leading all the people himself, and so he cried out to God. And God said, gather 70 known leaders, people who are capable of leading, and uh, I will pour the same spirit on them that I put on you. And they prophesied. And so that opened up the door to spiritual gifts. And we were specifically talking about prophesying. But if you go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and starting in verse 4, I, and it says there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. They are given by the spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is all the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The gifts are given to us to enable us to have victory over the enemy and the situations in our lives. It's for victory. A big part of that being victory over the enemy. For to one is given the word of wisdom... Through the Spirit, to another a word of knowledge, through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The gifts are given as a gift, as God wills. We can't earn them. We can't deserve them. God gives those gifts to us. One of my giftings is teaching. Giftings I have is teaching, and that helps me carry out my calling. At other times, somebody who doesn't have the gift of teaching, God may, in a situation, give them that gift for his will to be done in that situation. Same way goes for healing. I don't believe that I have the gift of healing. I am not a healer. There are some people that have that gift and they walk in that gift. But I do know that at times, God will impress upon my heart. I'll lay hands on people and they will receive healing. Not often, but it happens sometimes. And I think it's that way for everyone. According to what God wants to do, he will do it. For the well-being of the body. Again, so that we can overcome I want to go now to John 14, in John 14, verse 15, and I think we're going to do 15 through 18. I don't think we covered this when we were talking about receiving the Holy Spirit. We receive the Spirit when we receive Christ, because it is the Spirit of Christ. It's the Spirit of God. It's one part of the Trinity, and they are one in three and three in one. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you, he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth. So God is going to give a helper, which is the spirit of truth, so that God can abide with us forever. The father's going to send a spirit so that the father can abide with us forever. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so this is Jesus talking. And so he says, 
for he dwells with you. Who's he talking about? He's talking about himself, and he will dwell in you. So Jesus knows that once he is crucified, dies and resurrected, goes to be with the Father, the Father's going to send the Spirit, and that is going to be the Spirit of Christ who is going to dwell in us. He dwells with you, and he will dwell in you. So, you see, you can't discern between who is who. The Father is the Son is the Spirit, and the Spirit is the Father is the Son. Does that make sense? It is the Trinity. And people have been arguing about that for probably for 2,000 years or longer. And he says, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. This is Jesus saying this. So really, when you stop and you think about it, we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. It's not the fullness of the Godhead, but it is God's Spirit in us. Remember, if we go back to the beginning, talking about us being created in the image of God, we are body, soul, and spirit. How do you separate one from the other? How do you separate your spirit from your body? Well, you can't. When we're looking at it now, you can't. We've talked about the gifts, but I want to talk tonight about the fruit of the Spirit. Because if you go on in John, in John chapter 15, Jesus talks about we are the branch and he is the vine. And this is the thing about the fruit of the Spirit. The gift is given and you have it. According to God says, okay, I'm going to give them this gift. So you have it. But the fruit of the Spirit has to be cultivated within you. It comes as a result of having the Spirit in you. It's planted in you. Are you we are, we're told that we're grafted in. It doesn't just automatically happen. It has to be cultivated. And the Bible goes on in chapter 15 to say that when we are that branch, that we will bear fruit. If we don't bear fruit, we'll be cut off. But every branch that is grafted in must be pruned so that it bears more fruit. And so there's a process to this. Now I'll go on to uh, Galatians chapter 5. And this goes along with the gifts for us as we approach the edge of the Jordan about walking in the Spirit. So we have the Spirit, right? We've been given the Spirit. Paul is talking now and he says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. He is saying that if you are walking in the flesh, you will not do what you wish to do. Which is kind of, seems counterintuitive. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions and heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you look at all of those things as far as what the works of the flesh are, those are all things that are rooted in our unmet needs. 
They are a substitute for having our needs met. We will fall back to those things when our needs are not met. And remember, we talked in the very beginning about our needs only being able to be met by God as it was designed in the garden or in the kingdom. Paul says right there that if you fulfill these lusts, you will not inherit the kingdom. And so what's he saying? He is saying that, listen, if you continue to try and meet your own needs through all of these things, or you continue to try and numb the pain of having unmet needs through all of these things that he listed there, you will not be able to walk in the kingdom because you will prevent God from being able to do in you what he wants to do. You will prevent him from meeting your needs because you are playing God in your life to meet those needs. But so let's go on. In verse 22 it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. And so real simply, all of those things that I list, the fruit of the Spirit that he talked about that are being cultivated, they will, just like the gifts enable us to have victory over the enemy and the situations in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit in us will allow us to have victory inside and over the situations in our lives specifically. But it takes time for this to happen. We have to walk in the Spirit. It took just a few minutes to explain this. This is the way it is. This is the way God intended us to live and to walk. And it's so simple, and we want to complicate it so much but there's nothing more can be said. The only thing that can happen now is revelation has to come and then we have to walk it out. We have to, in that relationship of walking in the Spirit, in relationship with the Spirit, we will begin to walk that out. As the situations arrive in our lives, God will begin to do things to cause us. He will give us choices in our lives. Do I want to go left or do I want to go right? And I'm saying that is... But that can also mean, as far as fruit of the Spirit, do I want to be impatient and frustrated, or do I want to be patient and gentle, left or right? Do I want to do the things that I always did before, or do I want to change and do something different? God will continuously bring us to a point of choices with those things. And it's only through walking that out that we become, that we exercise those things in our lives, and we begin to bear that fruit. In our lives by having the Holy Spirit in us, working through us. The seed's been planted. Now let's see how it grows. Because now as we approach the banks of the Jordan and we look over into the other side and we begin to see the land flowing with milk and honey, there are going to be battles ahead and there's going to be blessings and rewards ahead. There's going to be fulfillment of promises ahead and there are going to be battles that have to happen inside of us. And the only way we can cross over is by letting go of what's in the past. We can't earn that crossing over. We have to let go of, it's like the children of Israel after they left Egypt. 
We have to come to the point where going back to Egypt is no longer an option in our heart. Going back to the past, holding on to the things of the past is no longer an option. We have to go forward. And it's like Jesus when he told the disciples, when all of those followers had left him, when he talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and they all left. And he says, are you guys going to leave me too? And the disciples say, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. They were not going to turn back. And that's where in our hearts we have to be. And if we're not sure if we're there yet, we need to take time to seek God delay ourselves at the altar and say, God, bring me to that point. I want to go on. I don't want to hold on to the past. I don't want to keep looking at the past as an escape hatch. I don't want to keep a back door so that if this Christian thing doesn't work out, I can have a way out. I want to keep going. I want to move forward in you. I want to build a relationship. From Genesis all the way, when we started talking in Genesis all the way coming up, everything we've talked about is so simple and clearly spelt out in Scripture. It's clearly illustrated in Scripture in the Old and the New Testament. And we're at this point now where it's time to cross over. The only thing holding us back now is the enemy and ourselves. And the enemy's not an issue when we're walking in the Spirit. And actually, from what we're just learning today, our flesh and ourselves won't be an issue either. Father God, I want to thank you for tonight. I want to thank you for speaking to us. I'm asking, Lord, that all the seeds that were planted here tonight, for anyone who listens to this, be it in a week, a month, a year, or 10 years, that, God, you would bring them to that point of crossing over, that you would allow them to move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Please comment and subscribe for upcoming podcasts. To order your copy of My Real Life, go to the Take Action page at our website, reallifeministries-stl.com, or go to Real Life Ministries STL on Facebook.